for the Agile community. www.agile.fm Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Agile FM. Today I have Jim Highsmith here. Uh, Jim Highsmith just um, released a, a book called Wild West to Agile, The Adventures in Software Development, Evolution and Revolution. And that came out in Pearson as a publisher. Um, well, before we get started picking the book apart, uh, welcome to the podcast, Jim. I'm so happy you're here. Thanks, Joe. I'm glad to be here. A lot of people know Jim from uh, one of the 17 signatories of the uh, Agile Manifesto. Um, and um, so this is, a, this is a very interesting book you wrote because it's about a time period of, of uh, 60 years of uh, software development, software engineering, but also management, leadership uh, topics. And, and you group them into four eras. And... Um, We'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, those, obviously, and discuss if that's if that's possible. Um, but you did write a book in 1999 or something, and the book was called Adaptive Software Development. And without right. that, without that book, our entire industry would have been possibly called adaptive instead of agile. <laughs> yeah, that, it's interesting. You know, um, before the Agile Manifesto meeting, Kent Beck and I swapped books. Manuscript before they were published. So I, I read XP before it was published, and he read my adaptive book before it was published. And so we we had those um, going into the Agile Manifesto meeting, and it was it was as I remember we had like twenty words up on the board, and we whittled them down uh, to to um, Agile, but uh, adaptive was one of the ones on the board, and and I I made the point that I didn't think that. The name ought to be something that one one of us already had. Yeah, and uh, and then we you guys chose the, the word agile became the agile manifesto, and uh, you know, and that was just the starting point of the fourth out of your four uh, areas you are highlighting in your book. Um, there's three before that, right? And this is <laughs> this is this is the uh, this is the interesting piece here is um, did you take journal? Did you write journal for those? last 60 years or how do you remember going all the way back when i looked at your book this is fascinating to see all of those topics but but no way could i remember all of those things uh, how you wrote them down how did you do that well it, it's interesting because the things that i had to look at changed abruptly in the mid-90s when i started having emails and computerized documents uh, and the, the other parts of it particularly the early years, was basically from memory. And, you know, it's interesting as I, as I looked at things, as I began to remember, other things came to me. Uh, so it was, it was interesting how, you know, one memory led to another memory led to another memory. Wow, that's amazing, yeah. So um, even Nike made it into the book, right? Uh, yeah. Companies. So what's interesting about this book is I looked at the title and uh, obviously it's about a reflection on 60 years of uh, software engineering from um, Apollo to SpaceX. If you want to see that from a, right? I think that was uh, one of those subtitles. Um, what's interesting is when I first picked it up, I thought it was a book about, uh, I wasn't sure, let's put it this way, if it's about you or is it about a, historical book about all of what's going on. And then when I started reading it, I was like, oh my God, this is fascinating. It's both. Um, it's uh, it's a reflection on the 
the eras of what was happening in the last six years of software engineering, plus a personal touch from you and how everything came together. Um, why did you decide off of putting this together, like your personal experience and, and uh, you know, what do you, who do you think is benefiting from the historical aspect of the book? Well, from one of the things about the history that I, that I think is important is that it helped by understanding some of the history, it helps us prepare for the future. Mm-hmm. I don't try to predict the future in the book. But I say this is how, you know, part of being ready for the future is, is preparation. And it's yeah. interesting how this book got started and why the personal is in there, because it actually started out as a family-oriented memoir to my grandkids. Oh. And as I, as I developed that and tried to figure out how to make something that would be interesting to teenagers, because they're in their mid-teens now, yeah. I, I decided on this kind of scope of 60 years and breaking it into eras. And, and once I did that, I've realized that a lot of it was my personal stories. And I kept, I kept asking people, which do I emphasize? Do I emphasize historic history or do I emphasize the personal? And people like Martin Fowler, who was a reader of the manuscript and had a lot of great information and feedback for me, kept pushing me to do more personal. So okay. more like a memoir. So it, it is kind of a historical memoir. And I think the it also helped me reduce the scope of the book. As I tell people, it's not the history of software development. It's a history of software development. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important because there are a whole lot of areas that I never really got into. And so they're not in the book. So, for example, I, I, I worked with people who did object-oriented programming, but that was sort of different from what I did. So there's not a lot of history in there about object-oriented programming. Mm-hmm. There's nothing about aerospace. There's nothing about Unix. There's nothing about a whole range of topics that I didn't have any interaction with. And by doing it like that, I was able to scope the book to something reasonable. Yeah. Well, I, it's it's fascinating, right? So you just mentioned those four um, eras. Just to uh, you know, give readers or, or listeners a little bit um, context here is the Wild West in the beginning. This is how it all starts, <laughs> right? Uh, we got structured uh, and we got the roots uh, and, and it was obviously then the, the agile space. Now, you just mentioned that a little bit and how it could be helpful for, for anybody to look back into history to make, um, you know, uh, not predictions, but to learn from history for, for future events or possibly reflect on it. Now, if somebody, and because the agile era itself is already quite long at this point, mm-hmm. right? we're recording this in 23, um, so some of the listeners right now might only have experience in that era, right? So what do you think if somebody who is relatively new into software engineering, possibly coming out of college right now, and this is like, this is all I know, this is the way of how I have learned and worked, and this is the only thing I, I know. What are the aspects you feel like you would like to point people back to and say like, hey, this, this is interesting stuff and you should be aware of it? Um, I had a colleague at ThoughtWorks who is in her late 20s. She uh, read some of the manuscript and helped some with it. And it was really interesting talking to her because in college and in her work, work environment, she had never done anything except agile. 
And so looking back at the history of things, she, she really enjoyed it. She, she thought it was very helpful to her to kind of understand, for example, what was the conditions in the, in the world that made Agile uh, kind of take hold in the early 2000s? Right. It wasn't just because it was a better way to do software, but because people really liked it. There were business conditions, technological conditions that kind of came together at that point in time to, to, uh, to, to make a pivot point. Yeah. And, I, and I think people need to understand some, that, that these things didn't just grow uh, new, but they had some background to them. Yeah. The other background, background that I thought was important was to bring out some of the individuals, some of the people who were pioneers of those different eras, who really contributed to the evolution of software development. And mm -hmm. As I asked people, did they, under, did they know who Tom DeMarco or, or Ken Orr or Larry Constantine, did they know who these people were? And, and most didn't. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to bring those people forward in people's mind as well. Right. Interesting. Yeah, no, I'm, and uh, it's, it's nicely written, beautiful graphics in there, in there too. And you see like the, the era and you show like with, um, you know, where technology was produced with the mainframe computers and you see people like interacting with the machine and you see today how people are enjoying technology in their living rooms. Um, so I love these kind of um, visuals that go in. There's also a visual and that was striking to me. Um, uh, that was interesting because you always uh, have like these um, comparisons in your book where you would say the, the then, right, and the now piece where you, you highlight the different uh, windows here in terms of time. And what's interesting about several times the org charts of organizations comes up and, uh, and the then part was like the hierarchy of uh, organization and the now part is, is very different. I don't, and this is this is something I noticed in the book. It's like I definitely see that there is a trend towards that. But when I read that, I was like, there are a lot of organizations still out there that are having an old org chart kind of thing. They are they're still today operating in an agile era with the org chart of, you know, the structured maybe right uh, kind of approach. Um, what's your advice to them? I mean, there's, there seems to be like a less of learning in terms of adaptation right well i think that this is you know a, a, a big topic now is digital transformation of becoming a digital organization mm -hmm. and i think there are multiple different parts of that and i think until well for example if you really want to be a digital organization you're going to have to think about how you measure success you know, mm -hmm. with different measures of success than, than you have now uh, just like in project management we had to move from the agile triangle something I call the, the uh, Agile Triangle, from the Iron Triangle to the Agile Triangle. Mm -hmm. uh, and in business, I think you've got to do some, some of the same. Uh, and, and so I think organization structure is another one of those things that to become digital and, and become fast acting and innovative, you've got to look at the organization structure and have it malleable to meet the needs of a growing company or of a company that's moving into, you know, making right. some major changes. Right. Uh, and I think there's, there's some people doing that, um, but it's, it's one of those areas that's, it's just emerging. And I don't think the, 
you know, the, the right model yeah. are there yet, other than other than Jared and Apple, whose unfixed model, which I talk about in the book. Yeah. And and it's just getting started, but it's it seems to be really taking hold in Europe. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting, right? Um we'll get definitely get there. You you just mentioned um business uh one more time right so the agile movement is a reaction to the business needs right it's not just like you guys thought about hey let's work differently <laughs> right there was a business needs that uh, required that and i think that need is still obviously here um so how did the like because in 95 somewhere in that neighborhood um that would be in your roots era uh that was the significant event of the dot-com bubble burst um, how did that influence like business and that era? Do you see like historically while you were working on the book and you're just on the material, did you see any correlation? Um, like what happened? Was that like also like a massive impact on the way of how people worked? Well, I think the thing that was the massive impact on how people work uh, was really not connected to the dot-com bubble, but it was connected to something else. And, and this is, the transition from automating internal systems, mm-hmm. automating customer-facing systems. And I think that was, a, that was one of the impacts of the internet. And, and that was a major transition. Uh, so for example, there was a, in, in the late 1980s, my wife and I went to get a, mm-hmm. a chair. And we went to this place and finally picked out the right chair and took it up to the counter. Or, or took the, the slip up to the counter, mm-hmm. wrote the guy a check. You know, those checks are those little small pieces of paper that we used to use. Um, and said, Can we help me put the chair in the car? And he said, well, you have to come back tomorrow. And I said, well, the chair is right there. My car is over here. Why can't we put it in the car today? He said, well, our computer system prints out picking tickets overnight. And I can't give you the chair without a picking. Wow. And that's the sort of computer interfaces that we were dealing with in the late 80s, early 90s. And so that move from internal facing systems to external facing systems was a, was a big move. And to me, that was a, a bigger thing than, than the dot-com. I think the dot-com bust was a temporary reaction mm-hmm. to moving too fast. Right. Um, you can anticipate the same thing for AI now. Right? Maybe, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's a wonderful example of how you connect the past to uh, to possibly future events, right? It's like, well, is are we possibly going too fast here too? Well, that would be for totally if, um, a different recording here, right? That would be um, awesome right. to catch up on that as well. Now, I do when I was going through this. Um, material uh in your book um there was also obviously you know i have lived through um professionally almost three i touched on the second one but then the the, the roots and in, in agile myself um what's interesting is there's several topics where you look back and you're like oh wow i totally forgot about this right we did exactly what you did too right it's like there were certain steps where you find yourself in your personal story i found myself uh for example, in, in domain modeling, for example, right? Um, technique I find very useful. Um, still today, sometimes I scribble a little bit on a napkin and do these kind of things. Um, obviously, um, Martin Fowler, which you mentioned before, right? Analysis pattern, huge book and everything. But you don't see these things necessarily anymore. I just want to use that as an example, right? Not necessarily make this a 
conversation about uh, analysis patterns, but um, is there anything where you would look back and say like, okay, we are in the agile era, but there is something in those previous three eras where you would say, it's a shame that they went away. There were some useful techniques there. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, why we're not doing this anymore? It might be still a good idea. Is there yeah. Well, it's interesting as I began looking at some of the stuff that was used, for example, in the structured era, mm -hmm. uh, I found out that people are still using data flow diagrams. Uh, maybe not to the extent they were before, but they're still a, you know, a useful tool mm -hmm. today. So there's some of the diagramming methods that people are still using. And I'm sure some of the diagramming methods in UML are still being used. Yeah. One of the interesting things that's still being used today, that I think a lot of people don't know the origin of it, um, was the idea of coupling and cohesion. Yeah. And that actually, Larry Constantine developed those in the 1960s. Uh, yeah. And so one of the interviews that I have in the book is with Larry Constantine. Another one is with Tom DeMarco, who yeah. and those two people and a few others really kind of started the structured methods movement mm -hmm. in the 1980s. Yeah. If I remember correctly, even Larry Constantine even went to the, started initiating use case driven approach, right? And so there was certain, I think there, he was uh, part of that. So that popularized this technique among others. Yeah, I'm not sure he he was involved in use cases, yeah. but he may have been. Yeah. Um, there was there was definitely um, um, a ton of movement here. that. Um, very interesting. You just mentioned the the unfix model, and maybe that is um, something I I, do, I actually do want to ask you about that. So we have these four errors, which is uh, great uh, material, um, but there's also topics like unfix, for example, right? You have mentioned in your book, and that's a little bit forward thinking. Now, I myself, I'm a little biased here because I'm writing about agile kata a lot, <laughs> right? but. Uh, um, but I, there's also lean change management, right? There's flight levels, there's evidence-based management, there's beyond budgeting, there's a gender shift, there's fast goals. I mean, there's topic after topic after topic. And if I, when I came to uh, reading about the Agile era, I was also like fascinated about all of those things. Again, I'm a little focused on one of them myself with the cutter. But um, what I noticed is, are we right now with business agility, the digital transformation you mentioned, are we entering, are we approaching a fifth era right now? Because there is a diversity of techniques right now. It feels like very energetic right now. There's a lot of things that are happening right now and like in, in islands and we're trying to put things together in terms of business agility right now. Um, do you feel like we're in the beginning of a new era? Something business agility? Well, <clears throat> I think it could be a new era. People have asked me about that quite a bit. Um, I don't know if agile methodologies per se will continue as they are today. I think there's a lot of stuff happening and people going in some different directions. And somebody asked me the other day if I thought the 17 would get back together and rewrite the manifesto. And I said, no, we're in a completely different era. Yeah. You know, and, and agile is now been spread kind of worldwide. And back then in 2001, there was a very small contingent that was working in what was then called lightweight methodologies. Right. And, and so the times are very, very different. So I think that for the future, that I think the important things are how do we build agility 
and adaptive leadership into our organizations. Mm-hmm. That's the real challenge. And I think Agile can be a part of that. But I think what we have to do is we have to look at what do we keep from Agile and what do we change? Yeah. So what is it that persists? Um, and one of the things that I think the manifesto did, it was both inspirational and aspirational. And I think in some of the newer things that we're seeing, they've lost that inspiration part of it. Mm-hmm. Got some new, new project, um, new principles or, or new processes or new names, but it doesn't have the inspiration the original manifesto has. So I think that's one of the things mm-hmm. they need to modify a little bit, but but keep. Yeah. And and then we need to figure out what what goes on beyond that and whether it's a new methodology called Excalibur, it, it, it doesn't matter to, to me, as long as it keeps a focus on agility yeah. and adaptive leadership. Yeah, well, I, I do think like from, from, from whatever I notice is, I think we're moving forward with, with, the, with the ideas in mind, right? I think, um, I don't think there's any kind of um, dead end or anything in, in terms of the journey. I think this is going to continue. I think it's an expansion, right? On um, where do we go with this uh, topic in general? And, and uh, I, I see, like somewhere in your in your work, I see parts within the evolution where there's a high increase of new ideas, and then there's a new era coming out of it. And I was just wondering if you, with all the oversight and things you see and read and hear about, um, if you feel like, and, and this my my stuff I just mentioned is probably not even a complete list. Definitely not. Um, if if there is anything where you would say there is a uh, big big pool and arsenal of ideas right now for how do we approach the problems of the future? Well, I, I think that there's a lot of new stuff coming out, and both in management, uh, organizational design, software development, and and I think that it's going to require integration but, but we've got to use, you've got to be able to use all of those different topical areas and somehow integrate them into something that an organization can use and, mm-hmm. and I think it's going to be different for every organization you know I think the, this idea of you know one methodology fits a lot of different companies I think one methodology fits one company but everybody has to have sort of their role their own that, right. that's appropriate for them. And I think that's actually the more difficult part. And it's the difficult part that I've seen all through the eras, which is there's there's a number of people who take whatever methodology and say, this is it. And we're going to follow these steps and we're going to do these processes. We're going to fill out these documents. And that's the way we're going to do things. Yeah. As opposed to this is a framework, a guide, a guidelines. And they need to be adapted to every different project or every different organization. And I think that's the that continues to be one of the more difficult things to do for organizations is to allow them enough flexibility in how they approach. Yeah, um, I I couldn't agree more uh, with you. And this is uh, you, you just make me think about all of those things that are ahead of us. Um, as a as a community, as a as an industry, when you just mentioned earlier in your book that you had the intent of writing this book for your grandchildren in the beginning, and then added a little bit more other things to it, and the book grew in in both sides. 
um, it's still both. It's still personal and it's well a, a historic document um, you put together. Is at any point did you like because it we've been pop, it's going public right in a Pearson uh, as a book. It's not just for your grandchildren. Right. Did you soften your tone a little bit? Your uh, when you did this, were like because some of the experience you had you were like you could read between the lines that it was not necessarily easy there was some frustration in your path, <laughs> right did you soften yeah. the language a little bit so it became oh maybe a little bit and, and if you'll <laughs> notice I, I, with organizations where things went pretty well i tended to use the name of the organization right but they didn't go so well i tended to use a pseudo name yeah um and, and uh, one of the things that, that happened during the book is, you know, I had been used to, in my previous books, writing about stuff, yeah. uh, writing about engineering methods, writing about management methods. And here I was faced with writing about myself. And that's a very different perspective to write from. Yeah. And luckily, I had a number of people that pushed me to do more and more of that. I think it was the right direction, but it was difficult. But I, I really challenge other people in our industry to do more of that, mm -hmm. to write about themselves and what they're doing and not just write about stuff. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting, right? Because it's the, the personal touch and the struggles. It's also like, you know, it's not like polished in a way where you would say that doesn't sound like reality. You can really feel with you in some of the situations, you know, um, you know, I, it, some of them were further back where I can picture like a cubicle or something like that. <laughs> it's like, you know, like all these kind of things. And it, it's like, oh, he's going through this, but you see the path of where this is going and how you found your path. So I agree, right? So any kind of personal story that goes along with it, is, uh, this makes it more real. Uh, Jim, this is a great conversation. Thank you. And uh, I, I do want to say everyone who is uh, listening to this and has an appetite for hearing more about this and obviously going into those uh, four eras of Wild West structured roots and agile as you group them and label them. Um, I can only recommend to pick up the book Wild West to Agile by Jim Highsmith. Thank you so much, Jim, for your time. Uh, Thank you, Jim. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Same here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon.